It's time for truth, a ministry of Truth Family Bible Church in Middleton, Idaho. It's time for truth exists to glorify God through the edification of his saints in our local church and for the benefit of the church around the world. I'm your host, Pastor Danny Steinmeier, and I'm joined in studio with my good friend and fellow elder at TFBC, Jim Berg. Jim, welcome back. It's great to be back. It was uh, a tough week down in Austin delivering my son as he moved down there. And as you know, that's the reason I started growing the beard about uh, two months ago when he told me he was moving. And so it is absolutely my morning beard. A morning beard. Yep. Yeah. I haven't necessarily run into one of those before that at least that I know of. <laughs> that's right. I'm not going to take a razor to my face. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's good actually, right? The, uh, just having a, a visible representation of, of just a, a sense of some measure of loss, but obviously it's not total loss, right? Yeah, no, and I want him drawn back. I, I still desire for him to come back. And, you know, we had a little bumpy road on the way down. We had uh, a U-Haul, about a 15-foot U-Haul with his his car on the back on a dolly. And uh, we hit some black ice, and he did a great job of steering us out of in- oncoming traffic and off the shoulder. But we went down off the shoulder, and uh, very gently right at the end, it rolled onto its side. So the, the U-Haul rolled onto its side. Car was fine, but uh, I used that as an excuse to say, "Hey, we got to go back to Boise." <laughs> so, but he didn't listen. Yeah, but it was really—it's um, funny because I told you this, Danny. As soon as we rolled over, I'm sitting there on the side and I'm going, "This is what's best for me from God." I remembered Pastor Danny's sermon on that, and when you have that attitude, it's funny how you see the blessings. Um, we did not have a bad accident. We stayed out of traffic. Um, it was a very gentle rollover. And then uh, by the time we got our seatbelts off and stood up, because the car, the U-Haul was on its side, there were three men there from the oil and gas industry. They had opened the door before we got our seatbelts off. So they were very forward and really a blessing from God that they showed up because it was negative seven degrees. There was no cell phone signal. And they put us in their truck. They drove us to where we could get a cell phone and were able to call the police. And so start the process of, of uh, getting a tow truck. So again, God shows up in amazing ways. Oh, that's, so. that's great. And that's a, it's also a, a good story to be able to tell uh, as well of God's goodness to you and the adventure that you guys went on together. And Yeah, and you learn from that. Like Mark said, as soon as we started taking off again, he said, I'm going to have a lot more compassion for people on the side of the roads now because he had never experienced that. And there's a lot of truth in that. So, you know, and I learned a lot about what it means to be a man from Anthony, the guy that stopped and helped us. He was first on scene, as he called himself. And he was a military guy, not a believer, but he was a military guy. And he talked about just being first on scene two hours ahead of his his workmates. And he told them, no, don't come because of the black ice. And so they saved money because they didn't have to bring the equipment out. And there's a lot to be said for men being available, available to your family, available to your church, available to God. And there's an enormous uh, learning in that, that, hey, if you're first and you're available, then God can use you. Hmm. So it's good. Yeah. D- didn't just simply have a mind for himself, but was looking out for others, even That's his right. own coworkers. And turns out he was able to look after other people yeah, be- out there. Because he was early, he was able to stop and do that right. and save his company money in doing that. So yeah, really cool. 
Well, that's great, Jim. It's good to have you back at church and with us in the studio today. And uh, we thought that we'd start off with just talking about a couple of uh, you know, items that have been in the news uh, lately relative to uh, the Christian faith. And um, we, we've mentioned a little bit at church on um, Sunday night a week or two ago about that Asbury revival. And I know you've looked right. into that a little bit yourself. And maybe you could just start us off with a little bit of that conversation. Yeah, and we always want to talk about current events. We always think bringing what God is doing into our environment so that we know how to react into it is really important. So there's a couple current events. If it's important enough, we can do a whole episode on it. But today, nothing is really that important. Yeah, the, the Asbury University quote-unquote revival. Um, my view of it, and I know you talked about it Sunday night, but my view of it is it's a very liberal Christian university to begin with. So they have a lot of theological issues. They don't believe in six day of creation. They have very uh, women's roles is, is another issue. So, but what happened was kind of early February, they had a chapel service that ended and several of the students chose not to leave. Well, it's interesting that the university would even allow them to stay there. <laughs> like that is not a conservative approach. But one day turned into two days and then eventually it turned into 13 straight 24 7. Uh, 24 hour, seven day a week kind of worship center gathering. And there were many on both sides that come out when things like that happen. So you had uh, conservatives that were coming out with what I would call their knives, trying to say this isn't a revival. And then you had a uh, very liberal or even false teachers showing up, um, which is a, a, something that we need to be aware of. We need to watch these things and understand them. But we're not in a position where we know enough to call that a revival or not. Um, what we do know is it allows us to have great conversations with people about this event. And so if we can use this to start our own revival where we're talking to people about it and bringing them into church or bringing them into the process of discipleship, then it's a very good thing. So that's my view of how we use this type of news. Uh, use judgment and being wise and looking at it and then use it in your local ministry. Yeah, that's good. And and really the, the judge of that it's going to be really history in, in right. some regard, but also we recognize that uh, that those are movements of the uh, of the Holy Spirit in bringing about new life and uh, re-energized efforts towards sanctification and worship and so forth. But uh, uh, there's certainly things like we said, uh, like you mentioned, you know, there's things that would be uh, cause you to. Uh, have a little bit of a concern about what's what's happening and not get especially overly excited and actually really where we need to be focusing is not as we've been talking about a little bit in church this idea of pursuing the exciting pursuing this hyper emotional um and, and rather than recognizing the great value and um and the recognition that the ordinary means of grace are the primary means of the normal work of of god through the holy spirit in our lives. And so we don't want to despise what seems to be very ordinary and very normal or very small or very slow. We want to acknowledge that, um, that the ordinary means is really what God has yeah. prescribed. And a second topic that I think I want to hit on is the chosen TV series. And it's exactly what you said, Danny, it's this transitioning into, so there's this chosen TV series is out there. It's getting a lot of news. It's over a hundred million viewers. Um, it's translated into over 600 languages. So you've got enormous movement just the name of it you know they're bringing a christ story of entertainment to the people um but what happens is you've got books that are coming out and comic books and big eva is behind it so you see things like k love or cbn or greg laurie and those guys that are out promoting this and 
I would be really cautious with things like that. Um, first off, I've not watched it, but even the founder of it is describing that 95% of it is not biblical, right? And so it's a balance between what is biblical and entertainment. The problem I have with this series is that it it's actually teaching because it's bringing a perspective of the Bible, even though it's only 5%. So that's something that I would actually avoid. And I've not seen one, nor would I watch it. So Similar to me, um, I've not also uh, tracked it in terms of watching it. And I think there's just an element that I always have a, a measure of hesitation in because uh, God did not actually give us a movie uh, to begin with, that there's actually something more valuable about the written text, right. and that he gave us a book um, as opposed to that. And, and there's always going to be some uh, issues with when you try to portray something in that, um, in that medium of television and movies. And, um, you know, I actually have never watched the passion of the Christ either. Right. Right. Because I, I wanted to avoid even that, the, the major hype of the day that was just thought it was the, the best thing since sliced bread churches are renting out movie theaters and stuff like that at the time. I think I was in college. At the and time. we're not saying don't take entertainment, but when it right. moves into teaching or if it moves your mind into an area that, that isn't from the Bible, then I think it's dangerous. Yeah. I think we definitely so, need to be cautious about stuff yeah. like that. So good. And then we've got chat GPT, which is out there in artificial intelligence, but we're going to save that for Pastor Manny because I yeah, know that definitely. you want to talk to him about that. And then the Wuhan lab leak conspiracy is coming out. So we'll keep our eye on that. That's uh, you've got the FBI and the Department of Health that are talking about this is clearly coming out of the lab. So it'll turn out that a lot of us are right and some people are wrong. So we'll just keep our eye on that. That may be its own episode. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> Turns out a lot of people. Yep. All right. Well, good. Well, let's uh, continue on this uh, episode with our discussion of our church distinctives. Uh, that was the uh, goal of this season one is to really focus on our church distinctives. We're going to have, again, interview episodes as well. So some of those you'll be uh, hearing at various times as we, um, as we uh, pepper those into our schedule. And what we've been doing, though, to begin with is really looking at our church distinctives. Our, our one up for today is expository preaching. And Jim, you, you recently, again, were helping your son look for a church in a, in a new part of the country. And uh, before we just get into defining our distinctive and my own uh, application of that principle, uh, why was this specific type of preaching important for you in finding a church for your son? Yeah, so for me, um, and it was tough, by the way. So Austin is three times the size of the Treasure Valley. And uh, in a search for expository preaching, uh, the whole area was narrowed down to within a 60-mile radius of 10 churches that were advertising that this is what they did. There may be more doing it, but that was all that I could find by doing an internet search. Um, but to me, like the whys of expository preaching, there's several reasons. One is I think it's the most orderly, and it's the way that God wrote it. And so you have the Word of God speaking this is the way that it should be preached and the way that it should be brought out. Also, it affirms sufficiency of scripture. So you're not bouncing around trying to find what you want to make a point. Um, and I believe that it's best for the church. It's best for our congregation and it's best for our pastors that are teaching. Best for our congregation because as you're expositing and you're preaching, they're seeing how to ask questions of scripture themselves. They're seeing, oh, this is what is highlighted and this is what is happening and they can take that best practice into their own discipleship and their own sanctification process. So that's the key for me in the whys this is so important. It's also the best use of time. So, you know, from a from a learning standpoint, you're working your way through verse by verse 
and you know this, you're not bouncing around looking at all these different scriptures. When you do that, you have to validate the context of every one of those scriptures that you use, and most people don't. That's the huge problem with topical. I think you made a good point there in terms of a normative uh, a normative element of the way we should all really approach the scripture. A lot of it is is not just jumping in and grabbing something that is useful to you, but instead it's actually that reading part. And some we often hear me say, uh, how, what does he mean by this? Well, we just need to keep reading and we'll see the explanation and the, and the working out of the text in its context. So those are key elements that everybody can pick up on and be able to do. And we also, I would also identify the value of what I would call expository ministry, that even in our counseling, that what we're trying to communicate comes out from the meaning of the word of God, right. uh, accurately handled in context, those types of things so that we can properly apply. Because if you, if you don't get the meaning right, then you can't properly really apply the, the scripture to life. So that's important. Yeah. So to me, those are the good whys. So Danny, now that we've got some of the whys, give us exactly what the, the what of expository preaching is and even the how. So how do you take the what's and the how's and apply that in the ways that it's appropriate? Yeah, that's good. In its most basic, ordinary, and uh, scriptural form, expository preaching is a sermon that is preached with the authority of Scripture because the message comes from the faithfully interpreted text of Scripture. So uh, exposition is really to be based on exegesis. Exegesis is the, is the work of studying in order to uh, bring out from the text uh, what its meaning is. And from the meaning of the text, the sermon is developed in an exposition. And so the emphasis is on the word expository, or uh, speaking of a sermon, as an exposition. And that points to the message as being drawn from the text of Scripture itself, as opposed to the source of the message being from the mind of the preacher or from the agenda of the preacher or from another source that the preacher uses primarily, and then perhaps uses the Scripture to support uh, his own thoughts or points or agenda. And so with that as an understanding that the sermon preached is to be driven from the text of Scripture, um, I have a few definitions for us. And the first one I have is from John Calvin. Uh, preaching is the public exposition of Scripture by the man sent from God in which God himself is present in judgment and in grace. And so here Calvin is suggesting, a, of course, a spiritual presence of God in the preaching, um, because his word is the primary focus of the message. And so when God's word is preached, uh, that is the instrument um, through which the Holy Spirit works, the presence of God works among his people. Um, and, and, uh, and even those who are in the sound of that hearing, even perhaps for judgment. Uh, J.I. Packer says, a sermon is the proclamation of the word of God only if the text of the word is accurately expounded and preached. So in the strictest sense of the term, authentic preaching is expository preaching. So that's J.I. Packer. I thought that was a good one too. Uh, a man named David Helm says, Ex expositional preaching is empowered preaching that rightfully submits, I like this part, the shape and the emphasis of the sermon to the shape and emphasis of a biblical text. And then my last one here is from John MacArthur, speak, speaking of exposition in this way as preaching in such a way that the meaning of the Bible passage is presented entirely and exactly as it was intended by God. He defines expository preaching, Dr. MacArthur does, as, quote, the proclamation of the truth of God as mediated through the preacher. Now, what normally people associate with expository preaching is verse by verse, and certainly that is 
um, to be expected and understood. That's probably what people mostly connect with it. Um, but what we notice though, is that, um, even in these definitions, even in these communications about what expository preaching is, no one even mentioned in there that the verse by verse element of that, um, type of preaching. But the, the main idea is that if pastors are going to convey the meaning and truth of the Bible, they need to be involved in delivering the message, as was said uh, just a minute ago, that takes the shape and emphasis of the text, and it was developed and preserved for us. But if, again, if, if you notice in all of those definitions we discussed, nowhere does it define expository preaching as exclusively verse by verse. So you can address, for instance, a topic, you can address an error, a news event, or some subject of importance for the value of the church, and you can preach topical messages that are definitionally expositional. Because it means that you can preach, for instance, a sermon or a series of sermons on the subject of marriage, as an example, and when the message faithfully handles the and interprets the biblical text and keeps in mind the context and authorial intent of each passage, which is challenging, right? It's hard when you are bouncing around on a topic, trying to address the relevant passages throughout the scripture. So it's actually very hard work. Um, but a sermon may be understood to be expositional because the message comes from the Bible itself. As long as the, the, the scripture is faithfully handled and interpreted, the sermon may be developed around that meaning of the text. So Jim, would you um, maybe speak to you know, what we are doing in our morning services verse by verse and our evening service we we kind of change things around a little bit in terms of sometimes we do uh, verse by verse exposition of a book like we did uh, titus and we did jude on uh, sunday nights yep. but we also use sunday nights as an opportunity for some topics and and other things would you maybe kind of address what we do yeah and, you know so for us it's keeping a very high view of lordship so we want our worship service to honor god and when you think about the way you just described expository preaching those different methods <sighs> We are implementing those methods through and what we're doing Sunday all day. And to me, it mimics our discipleship process. And you, you've heard me say this, like, I like people that read through the Bible in a year or two years or three years. I like reading scripture. I think that there's an enormous value in reading scripture the way that God wrote it through it. And I like teaching that way. And that's our morning where we're going expositionally verse by verse. But there's also an aspect where you want to study scripture. So you, God speaks to you through his word, through the Holy Spirit, and you go, man, I want to know more about marriage, or I want to know more about this. There's nothing wrong with beginning a study of that across all of that God speaks. And we're doing that on Sunday nights where we're talking about what is manhood. Well, that's not just in Genesis 1, that's throughout the whole Bible. And so to me, it's a beautiful picture of not only the way we preach in view of God's lordship, but also in the way that it leads to discipleship. And for me, that's where the church is lacking, is building disciples before we build more churches. That's really good. And I think um, one of the challenges in terms of how people view expository preaching, because they sometimes I think the assumption is made that expository preaching, again, is that exclusively verse by verse. And so therefore, uh, there's reason in some people's minds to not address issues topically or to tackle issues such as particular errors or heresies or things that are uh, in the news that I remember being at Grace Community Church and 9-11 happened. If you're a pastor and your excuse is, well, we don't talk about 
the things that happen around us um, because we do verse by verse and you refuse to be interrupted by something like that. that that's, a, that's a misuse of the role of an elder and a pastor in terms of there's times when you need to address issues, but you don't have the excuse to say the word of God is not the thing that we bring to bear and is the, and is the core of the message that we bring to the people. Yeah, because I'm in this book, I can't address this issue because the scripture doesn't speak to it. The answer is the scripture speaks to everything. You've just got to move there for your congregation because it's the right time. Right. And just like in our families, if there's something that our families are facing, our children are facing, right. you, you address the issue. And if that means you come out of your normal routine, then there's times you need to do that. Yeah, right? It's just like us talking about current events. If we didn't talk about current events, how do you how do you know how to apply that? And so you're, you're completely right. disconnected. And I think that leads to sheltering and isolation, which I think is very dangerous. That's right. And I think the... Um, there can be, I think, though, this, and I think I'm seeing more of this um, over the last number of years, <clears throat> and that is a, what I'm calling a narrow view of exposition right. that keeps preachers from addressing controversial issues, political topics, philosophy, social issues, moral issues, uh, due to their narrow view of exposition. Because if you just, well, we just are doing the next verse. Um, now there's a, there's a ditch on the other side of the road, right? You can, you can be constantly, you know, only addressing things by the front page of the, do they have newspapers still? I think they do. Uh, by the, you know, that's the old cliche, right? The front page of the newspaper is what drives the sermon. Right. And that's not what we want to do either. Um, but the point is, is that, uh, you can be committed to exposition and address things when you're dealing faithfully with the scripture. But the normative thing is what we just were talking about, right? That idea of, studying the books of the Bible as they were given. They were written in an orderly uh, fashion, and we can go verse by verse. And look, some other, ver some other books of the Bible, whether it's Proverbs or other poetry or other books, you might be able to address things a little bit differently in terms of a verse-by-verse -verse narrative, for instance. But the, uh, uh, the value of that verse-by-verse -verse exposition is certainly normative, I think, for the, for the health of the body. Yeah. And then, you know, I've talked about this before, Danny, with your style of preaching specifically, it's expositional, but normative expositional preaching is three points and then three applications, right? You, you go through, you make your points and you take it out of scripture. So they're doing it correctly. And then they reach the end and they go to application and they go this, maybe. this, and this, maybe, right? Some, some don't and some do, but that would be a typical you know, coming out of Dallas or even out of masters, you see this, uh, teaching approach that's applied. And I believe you have a unique approach and one that I've not seen where you know, I'll say it and then I'll ask you to speak to it. It's this idea of you're constantly applying the worldview as you're going through the exposition. And I think that's, it's very unique and it, it keeps you constantly engaged with the sermon because it's always applicable. And I think that's the beauty of drawing people in. Yeah, and I've had a few questions uh, over the last couple of years, as well as just trying to understand and describe what I'm doing, right? And so uh, trying to communicate why I believe that some expositional preaching, why is my expositional preaching seem to be in some level different than a lot of other expositional preachers that are that are out there? And Because um, I'm not denying exposition, the value of expositional preaching. Of course, we're saying this is a distinctive of ours. Um, but what we are... Um, what I'm trying to do in these messages is similar to what you just said, and we'll talk about that. I want to try to define that a little bit more because um, it is an interesting element, again, that I've looked at, and, uh, and I've sensed that need to add additional modifiers 
to the label of expository preaching in order to note some of those differences and some of those nuances at least. And so the first thing I'll say about that is um, a lot of what goes by the name of expositional preaching today, I would say does lack much of the authoritative components of biblical preaching. So take, do you take, for instance, Moses in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is well understood to be Moses' exposition of the law of God. Moses is preaching. That's what really Deuteronomy is. The, it's the second giving of the law. Uh, the first giving of the law was, was done in, in Exodus. But here, before they enter the promised land, Moses is preaching. And so he's taking the scripture that was delivered in the law of God, and he is then preaching it um, on his, uh, in his own really account of those events and God's law. And so it's full of strong uh, appeals and warnings, references to historical facts, so as to call for particular attitudes and commitments of the people in the um, of, of people of Israel to call for their obedience to it. Moses warns and rebukes the people, and he calls for them to be decisive. He calls for them to be obedient. And so, strong preaching, I think, also you know, appeals to the mind. It appeals to the affections and the will. Um, and it does so with reason and an appeal uh, to take appropriate action based upon hearing the word of God. There is a distinction between teaching and preaching. Uh, all good preaching has, the, of course, the element of teaching, but not all teaching is preaching. And that one of the major elements of preaching is that it calls for application. It calls for action. And sometimes the action is to do something you know, physical or do something, uh, make a change out in the world. Sometimes the, the change is really in our minds. It's the way, the way we think that that's very much an applicational element. Uh, but on top of that, Moses was um, very, made very redemptive applications. And I think one of the great things we've, we looked at when we were studying Deuteronomy is actually the difference that we saw in his preaching of the fourth commandment in Deuteronomy 5 versus what was delivered by God in Exodus 20. So Exodus 20, God connected the fourth commandment to the creation order. But when Moses comes to preach it in Deuteronomy 5, Moses preaches the Decalogue and connects Sabbath observance to the redemptive work of God in delivering Israel from slavery. And I found that to be very fascinating, very interesting, that when he was preaching, he was preaching with an emphasis on the redemptive work of God um, in, in his application of his preaching. But you also have Jesus preaching. Uh, which was based on, of course, the Older Testament of Scripture, and he always brought forward its true and fullest meaning. Uh, also, the preaching of the apostles was very bold. It was confrontational at times. It was pointed. But it was always redemptive in terms of preaching hard on sin and on judgment and on Christ. And so preaching Christ and fitting each text in the historical, uh, canonical, and redemptive context, and so that we understand how to use the scripture in terms of our salvation, whether, and, and that can be, again, that can be applicable to justification or a lot of what we do for the, for the people of God who are saved is to apply things to their sanctification, um, as well as then look forward and give hope and perspective for the hope of glorification. And so I, I guess my point here um, is that a lot of what passes for expository preaching is often not preached with the authority of Scripture, it is often moralistic, or it is stuck in the context of the past without bringing forward the timeless meanings, uh, principles to apply, or a redemptive emphasis of the whole counsel of God, and, and, and to do so in a way that points us to Christ and His Lordship. And so 
Uh, a lot of sermons today are a lot of Bible trivia, as I like to um, describe them. Um, and, and that doesn't, they don't call for a change of mind or, or a significant dealing with the truth. Um, many sermons don't call for repentance from sin or error. And, and many don't teach a way to live Christianly. And that's that worldview element, right? To live Christianly in this present age for the sake of glorifying God and our sanctified walk with him. And so while we, while we work through a text in its historical context and understand its meaning in its original, to its original audience, we then need to uh, bring our minds and our lives forward into the present day to apply a, a, a way of thinking Christianly and living Christianly in this present age for this present audience. And I think that's really important. And I'll jump in. I think a lot of pastors would say to that, they would say, well, the Holy Spirit will work through God's word. That's absolutely true. But the Holy Spirit works through men as well. And so I think that's the aspect of saying things that need to be applied to the world that we live in. The Holy Spirit works through that as well. So I think that, you know, we, we emphasize too much the Holy Spirit's role independent of men. Well, and that's a great point because the reality is he called men to preach. Right. And, and that means we have to develop messages. It's remarkable that we don't just say, we don't do preaching, just read the Bible. Right. He actually has ordained the means by which we are to uh, be sanctified and for, the, and for the gospel to go forth. It's to go in the weakness of a vessel right. made of flesh, right? It's, it, it's the weakness of the man that the power of God actually is spoken and we are to preach. And so it is God or God's ordained means, and yet it's done through, um, just like even the writing of Scripture was done through the personality of the um, human authors. And so that's a, that's a good element there. But So that's a little bit of describing the problems, I would say, of a lot of so-called expository preaching today. Uh, while I'm happy to maintain that description of being an expositor uh, of what I do in preaching, um, and it is a distinctive for our church. I, I will add to it some additional modifiers. And I, I've often described kind of what I'm doing as worldview applicational expository preaching. So that's just a mouthful. There's just a lot there. But it's it's speaking to, again, not all exposition is created equal, I would say. So and I feel like I need to add those words because that's how I would describe why my expository preaching seems perhaps different from others who say they are doing the same thing. And so I seek to make worldview connections to the text that we are studying uh, so that we can see the timelessness of Scripture. That's a huge element that I think we often miss is that Scripture is timeless. And so there does need to be um, the, the pointing out of timeless truth and then the current applications of that. So the timelessness of Scripture uh, for, again, how we are to see the times in which we live in every area of our lives. And so other preachers leave their audience in the context of the first century, for instance. Uh, and though it is important to understand the ancient context, the preacher should be drawing the current audience into the meaning of the text with a view towards thinking of living today. And so in my preaching, I'm, as you said, I'm weaving into the message elements of application throughout the sermon. And it is expositional preaching with an eye of worldview application. Uh, and I want to share a few words on this subject from uh, Joel Beakey and his uh, his book called Reformed Preaching. And uh, that maybe could be another way, uh, maybe that's a little bit of a shorter way uh, to describe maybe what I'm doing. And, uh, and I'm happy with that. That's a fine um, declaration of, of what I'm trying to do. He calls it Reformed Preaching, but then he uses a lot of other words to describe what that even means. 
But uh, he also uses other, again, those descriptive words. He uses words like experiential or experimental preaching and, and a whole bunch of other words in his book. But he is really emphasizing the valuable role of preaching with an eye towards application. And so I have a few quotes from Beakey that I, I certainly resonate with. Uh, the first one is, quote, application is the major emphasis of experiential preaching. The reformers and Puritans spent many times more effort in application than in discrimination. Now, when he says discrimination, discrimination is in, in preaching simply means the sermon distinguishes really the audience in terms of uh, the Christian from the non-Christian so that people can, he says, diagnose their own spiritual conditions and their needs. But Bicky continues, he says, many preachers today fall far short in this area. They have been trained to be good expositors. Okay, so that's dealing with just the text itself. But they have not been trained in the classroom or by the Holy Spirit to bring the truth home to the heart. End quote. Um, next, another line from uh, Dr. Beakey. Quote, some preachers say application is the Holy Spirit's job, not mine. And that's what you were referencing just a minute ago, Jim. Uh, but that is not the way the Bible handles truth. People need to be spoon-fed when you bring the Word of God, not only in your exposition, but also in your application. They need to, excuse me, they need help to know what the truth implies for what they must do and how they must do it. If you read Calvin's sermons, you stand amazed at his constant attention to application, end quote. And then from Beakey also, speaking of Charles Spurgeon, he says, Charles Spurgeon exaggerates only slightly when he says, where the application begins, there the sermon begins. He says that's just a slight, a slight exaggeration. However, the best preachers include application throughout their sermons and not only when concluding. And so uh, that's what Beakey has noticed as well about some of the best sermons as he studied preaching uh, through the Reformers and Puritans is that element of applying throughout the sermon. And so that's, that's where he's coming from. And like I said, I, I resonate with that. And so perhaps my preaching could be described as that reformed expositional preaching because that is a large part of why my preaching may seem uh, unusual or rare today. And that is because not all so-called expository preaching is good applicational preaching, but all good applicational preaching is also expository preaching. So that's the, I think that's kind of that key element there. So I, I went pretty long there. Uh, Jim, would you like to add any thoughts or comment on any of that? No, and I think that resonates. I think when, when I listen to preaching historically, they're not, they're bringing you into the history as a worldview of what's happening in their time. So when you're reading about Spurgeon and what's happening in that area of the world at that time, you're, you, it becomes real. And then I'm reapplying it to what's happening in my world today, going, wow, if this is what they've been through, and it really helps, it helps shape all of your theology, believe it or not. Like it, it really helps you understand the period. If, if you don't know there's a revival happening when Jonathan Edwards comes into the United States and what happens through that, then you don't have an appreciation of what's happening in the way that God is moving. So I think it's really important that good historical preaching always tends to be very applicable to what's happening in their world at their time. And I think that's an important element that often gets left out is that the scripture is timeless in part in, in meaning that it's written to you, right? Like how we are to use the scripture, um, that it is not simply to be a book of ideas and a book of thoughts or a book of, of just this 
uh, salvation that is distant and far away. And I'll, I'll deal with that ultimately uh, in the by and by, but it actually has a, a relevance for the way in which we are to think and to live practically that we are to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We are to do everything to the glory of God, which includes the way we think about the smallest thing, like we've talked about in, in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, that is the eating and drinking is even something to be done to the glory of God. And that rep would represent that the smallest thing, of course, to the greatest thing and everything in between is to be done with a view towards glorifying God. Well, his word is that which communicates how we do that, how we are to understand that. And that takes our effort, our study, our devotion, our commitment. And we need to be shown and talked about uh, what it is that we are to do with what we hear and what we see the scripture teach. Because the scripture really is for us to make use of in a proper way. And it leads to, I mean, I, I see this all the time with Pastor Danny. He can't get to Sunday without telling me, here's what I'm going to be doing next. And so there's this, there's this excitement about, Jim, this is what I'm learning and this is where I'm going to present it. And we get the same thing with the Bible study, guys. I, I'm getting texts from Kelly saying, I am so excited about teaching Ephesians. And I do the same thing as I'm preparing. It's just you, you're approaching it, anticipating this is for me and for who I'm teaching really here and now today. And so that's the beauty of it is it's always an exciting adventure to dig into the scripture. So, no, it is it, the word of God is, is living. It's active. It's sharp. And it, uh, it, when it resonates with your soul, um, it brings forth a lot of joy and excitement and you want to share that. And, uh, those are the, those are the great elements of what it what it means to live an expository ministry. Like you said, the Bible studies aren't always preaching, but there's there's value there when you're seeking to understand the text and to bring forward those principles in its context. It's the whole scripture too. It's not that's right. You know, it's not just this section. It's the whole scripture, living and breathing. Absolutely, so beautiful. Well, great. Well, I hope that uh, helps you with your understanding of our church distinctive and how it is that we are wanting to bring the word of God to bear in the life of our church and in the ministry of preaching. And uh, we, we thank you for being a, a part of our church. So those of you who are listening from um, inside the walls of Truth Family Bible Church, but also uh, gives more food for thought for perhaps those who are listening or outside of our church as to understanding the differences and the values of, uh, of preaching and what to really be looking for. Like you said, Jim, when you're looking for a church for your son and another place and people move in different different places it's valuable to understand uh, what are what are some of those principles what are some of those values that help a ministry to take god's word seriously to handle it accurately and to be applicational in the way in which we take god's word and do something with it and we don't just leave it you know lay there on the shelf or lay there on the table but it actually becomes something that we put into practice and those are the things we want to want to be about and that the church is for well, I want to, uh, before we bring things to a close uh, today, just want to remind you, uh, we would love to receive from you uh, listener questions. We would like to be able to take those. If you have interest in, maybe it's maybe you have an interest in current events and, hey, we haven't heard you guys say something about X. Uh, maybe we can uh, take that into account and, and bring something uh, forward for your benefit. And so any um, any listener questions, we'd be happy to receive those and, and consider those for the future. Church at gmail.com truth family bible church all spelled out at gmail.com please feel free to uh, give us any of your questions and then just some recommended resources again no, no recommendation of resource is a blanket endorsement of everything or every word that is inside a, of a resource and so uh, we encourage you to be good bereans study the scripture as you know and you know, 
chew the meat and, and uh, spit out the bones of anything that you are um, that you are interacting with. Uh, but definitely want to encourage, especially for those who like to listen, you're listening uh, right now. And so um, if you like to listen to good content, uh, we've really benefited a lot from the Canon app. And uh, we've uh, definitely would encourage a lot of those resources on there. Um, there's a lot of good content and good things to think about. And uh, uh, definitely we've, we've benefited from that. And so we'll bring uh, occasional recommendations for you uh, in the future as well and look forward to, uh, to that. Well, that's all the time we have for Truth Today. Thank you for joining us. And until next time, we hope that you will grow in your love and your commitment to Christ and His church as we are sanctified in the truth. God's Word is truth. Thank you.